At this time, I'd like to dismiss our kids, kindergarten through fifth grade. Nailed it. That's right. No, seriously, no, no applause. No, no, just, just a little bit. <laughs> I didn't, I did remember. Uh, parents, make sure at the end of the service, you go pick up your children, kindergarten through fifth grade. Blessings be upon you. Last week, you may have noticed that I was not here. Melissa uh, was not here. We, we were away. We were away. And I'm going to tell you where we were. It was pretty spectacular. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, we have dear friends in California uh, that we went to spend time with. Uh, for whatever reason, a number of years ago, they told us, we want to send the two of you uh, somewhere around the world uh, once a year, just the two of you, no kids, um, so you can set a good example for your people. <laughs> Okay, uh, I have not fought back, and so this year uh, we went to their home at Lake Tahoe. Perhaps you've heard of it. It was not terrible. It was not terrible. And when I say it wasn't terrible, what I mean by that is that it was spectacular. And what I mean when I say it was spectacular is if you were to close your eyes and imagine a place that was spectacular, it was better than that. I mean, it was amazing. I don't know if you've been there before. I don't know if you've seen pictures before, but for a whole week, uh, we had the opportunity to wake up in the morning stress-free, just spend time with the Lord. Uh, we spent our days uh, biking and hiking. Uh, we rented a kayak and went on to uh, the lake. We went on a sailboat. I know you hate me right now. You might be thinking to yourself, well, that must be nice. It was, it was, it was great. It was incredible. And I have to tell you, there were moments when we were on vacation where I thought to myself, maybe, just maybe, this is the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10. I mean, I could get used to that. I don't know how I would pull it off. But the thought of being on vacation week after week after week at Lake Tahoe, it, it, it is not a terrible deal. Um, it is something that I could get used to. My question for you this morning is, is that, is that the abundant life that Jesus talks about? I mean, a, a life that is pretty stress-free and carefree, a, a life where you eat good food, uh, you relax, you laugh with friends, and you enjoy the company of the one you love. Is that uh, the life that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10? Because here's the deal. I think that all of us have a desire deep within our souls uh, to live life to the fullest, like we hear abundant life, and I don't know what comes to mind for you, but I have pictures in my mind of what it could look like or what it should look like. I think all of us here want to experience a full life. We want to experience fulfilling friendships. We want to experience fulfillment in how we spend our days and how we spend our time. We want to love and to be loved. We want to know and experience true 
contentment. We want to know what it's like to live a life free from worry and anxiety. We want to live, yes, but perhaps even more so, we want to know what it's like to be fully alive. We want to experience the abundant life that Jesus offered. But what does that mean? What does that mean? I want us this morning to to think and ask, what is the abundant life that Jesus promises in John chapter 10? What is it? What does it look like? Secondly, I want us to ask and answer the question, how can one experience the abundant life? If it is so spectacular, then how can we experience it as the people of God? And then third, who is invited to experience the abundant life? So what is the abundant life that Jesus promised? I think one of the things that's helpful when we study scripture in defining what something is, is for us to know what something is not. And so when I talk about the abundant life, I am not talking about a life primarily free from hardship. Although, who would complain if they experienced a life free from hardship? When I talk about the abundant life, I am not talking primarily about a life marked by healthy marriage or contentment in our singleness or wonderfully fulfilling friendships. Although, let's have more of those and not less. When I talk about the abundant life, I'm not talking about a life of influence or affluence, although both of those can be used by God in significant ways to advance his kingdom and the gospel. The abundant life that I'll refer to this morning is not a life marked by developing a legacy that will be remembered long after you're gone. However, it's not such a terrible thing if you're remembered by your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. The abundant life that Jesus talks about here in John chapter 10 can't be a life free from opposition or pain or suffering, although that sounds appealing. And the reason that I say that is because there are all sorts of promises made throughout Scripture that life will not be one constant vacation. That in this world, you and me, that we will have trouble. Uh, We are told in various places at different times uh, that we will experience opposition, that Christians will suffer, that we will experience life as exiles in a foreign land, that we will be formed by God through and by fire. When God hands out his syllabus, uh, we are told that part of his curriculum for Christ-likeness is often hardship. And so our picture of the abundant life that Jesus offers here in John chapter 10 cannot be an easy life. So uh, what is the life that Jesus offers? Uh, What is the abundant life? Well, the word abundant means exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more, a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than one would expect or anticipate. 
Let me read that again. Uh, The word abundant means exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more, a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than one would expect or anticipate. I read that definition and I think to myself, well, that's great. But what does it look like to live a life that is marked by very highly beyond measure, considerably more than what one would expect or anticipate? What does that look like? Well, Jesus is kind to give us a picture in John chapter 10. Let's look at our passage together. John chapter 10 verse 9 reads, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Very simply put, and I don't suggest that this is the best definition, but it's our definition this morning. uh, The abundant life could be described as life with God. Uh, In this passage, Jesus talks about his sheep being saved. And as a result of his sheep being saved, he talks about his sheep experiencing freedom, uh, coming in and going out to find pasture. Uh, The abundant life is a life experiencing salvation provided by our good shepherd. When the Bible talks about salvation, oftentimes it can refer to any number of things. Sometimes the Bible talks about salvation as being delivered from a foreign enemy. Um, There are other times when the Bible talks about being saved from a sickness or an illness or a disease. And there are times when Scripture talks about salvation when it is referring to people being rightly related to the God of the universe, the God that made them. Here in John uh, chapter 10, Jesus is referring to this third definition, this idea of us as the people of God being rightly related to God. The abundant life with God is a life that is saved by God and lived uh, for God. But this sort of salvation that Jesus talks about is not simply a sit around and wait until you die and go to heaven kind of salvation. Uh, Certainly, certainly that is part of it. The hope of the gospel teaches us that we will experience life forever with our creator. But in the meantime, the Bible doesn't encourage us to sit around and wait until our name is called. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Which means that a life that has been saved by God is not a life that is removed from the world. It is not a life becoming just like the world. It is a life lived in the world that God created. Jesus, our good shepherd, does not put his little lambs in lockdown. He doesn't put us in the sheep pen and say, hang out right there. I'll come back for you in 30, 40, or 50 years. Just hang tight. He says in John chapter 9, if anyone comes to me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. 
There is refuge in the sheep pen of Jesus and uh, there is life to be experienced outside that pen. When you think about the Christian life, uh, when you think about life with God, I hope the picture that comes to mind is more compelling and fulfilling than, than living life behind a closed door with high walls and a heavy gate. Jesus opens up the door for his sheep uh, to, to go in and out and come back in again. And Jesus reminds his sheep uh, as they go out into the world uh, that there is an enemy in the Christian life. I don't know if you notice this, but we see this all throughout this passage, this contrast between Jesus, the good shepherd, and someone who is described as a thief. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here in John 10, 10, the enemy is described as a thief. In other places in scripture, the enemy is described as the Satan or the evil one or the tempter, the destroyer or the deceiver. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind uh, when you think about the enemy or when you think about the devil or Satan. Maybe you have this picture of a red cartoon of someone with a pitchfork and a pointy tail, but according to Jesus... Uh, the enemy is not a cartoon figure. Uh, he is real. There's a real enemy in the Christian life who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. On one of our last days in Tahoe, I had the opportunity to go on a hike all by myself in the morning. I hiked uh, what is called the Shirley Canyon Trail. Uh, it is a, a beautiful hike. Uh, up this mountain, it starts at about 6,000 feet. You end at 8,200 feet on top of this mountain. Uh, it is uh, where the 1960 Olympics took place. And so uh, you're navigating through these rocks along this, this creek. And, uh, and it was amazing. <laughs> I woke up in, in the morning like giddy to go on this hike. And I remember a standing at the front looking at the sign that said Shirley Canyon Trail. I took a picture of it in case I got lost. And when I started walking down the trail, I was, I was giddy. And I had this experience about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes in where I came to this opening of rocks and I was the only one out there. And I, I look around and literally with tears in my eyes, I just start giving thanks to the Lord for where he had placed me in that moment. I mean, it was a worship-filled experience. Uh, shortly after that, I got lost. I don't know exactly how it happened, I went left when I should have made a right. And I kept walking with my head down, and I'm going up these rocks, and I reach a point where I have nowhere to go. And it occurred to me, I might be off the trail. And so I started coming back to see where I got lost, and I couldn't find it. Like, I didn't know where I started. 
and I spun around a couple times. And then I started thinking to myself, James, you're going to be that guy. Like, you're going to get lost in the woods. You're going to get lost in the woods. You have one protein bar, and you have like 12 ounces of water. And, and I had this picture of helicopters with bright lights in the middle of the night looking for me. I was going to make the news. I was going to be that guy. Melissa, a couple days later, was going to start worrying about me. And like, like I wanted her to know that I, I was going to be okay. And then I thought to myself, James, maybe you won't get lost. Maybe you'll be eaten by bears. Right? Because I was told out west you can run into bears. And then I thought, maybe not a bear, but likely a mountain lion. There's probably a mountain lion like creeping up on me right now. They're going to drag me away. They're going to eat me. No one is going to find my body. My poor wife is sleeping in and spending time with Jesus at 8 a.m. And they're going to start asking her questions about the health of our relationship and were we on good terms and how much insurance we had. And I was like, this is not a safe place to be. It was the weirdest thing in the world. On one hand, I experienced joy in that moment and on the other hand i was reminded uh, that that there is an enemy out there seeking to steal uh, kill and destroy now listen i didn't run into any bears i didn't run into any mountain lions um, but there is an enemy in the christian life right we we don't we don't just gallop through life kind of kind of prancing through from one victory to the next Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And we, we've experienced this. I know you've experienced this. Like on some level, you, you know what it's, what it's like for, for someone uh, to steal your joy. Uh, you, you know what it's like relationally or in life to, to feel that something that at, at one time was whole and good has been destroyed. You, you, have, you have tasted death before. You do not have to look far to know, to experience that there is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And yet in the midst of that, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I said I wanted to ask three questions. Number one, what is the abundant life that Jesus promises? The abundant life that Jesus promises is life with God. Life with God. Sometimes life with God is on a vacation out west that has been gifted to you by a friend. And sometimes life with God is his very presence when everything goes sideways. The abundant life does not always look uh, the way that we think it will. Uh, but it is, it is a good life. It is life with God. Secondly, I wanted to ask, how can one experience abundant life? How is that experienced? Well, Jesus tells us, uh, John chapter 10, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters uh, by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. 
and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So how does one experience this abundant life? Well, Jesus tells us, number one, they enter through the door. And the door in this passage and in scripture is Jesus. Um, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way to God. There is no other way. There's no other way. It was not uncommon during that day for a shepherd um, to, to lay over the opening in the sheep pen. Remember the sheep pen that we saw a couple weeks ago? Like picture these walls built up with stones and an opening in the front where the sheep would go in. It was not uncommon for a hired hand or even for a shepherd uh, to lay down at night uh, at that opening. And they did this for a couple of reasons. One, so the sheep could not get out. Because if they tried, they would wait, the shepherd would wake up and prevent them from, from leaving. But also the shepherd would lay at that opening because he would prevent the enemies, wolf, uh, from coming in and eating the sheep. Right? So Jesus is saying to the people, I am the door. Like the way to experience life is through me. To put it another way, Jesus is the way to salvation. He is the way to experience salvation. When we talk about experiencing the abundant life, we're talking about a coming to Jesus for life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. He says in verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Uh, Jesus is saying the way to experience abundant life is to come uh, to me. I am the door. And what Jesus is teaching the people, what he is teaching us, is that he gives us life by giving his life for us. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. When the enemy, when the thief, when the wolf comes to take the sheep and to scatter the sheep, the good shepherd does not flee from trouble. The good shepherd stands his ground. And Jesus doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't get tied up or busy. There is no fight that he looks at and thinks to himself, I need reinforcements. He's got it. He does not flee his sheep. A number of years ago, I had an opportunity to study in Israel on a two-week study with uh, Jerusalem University and college. It was an amazing experience. Uh, on one occasion, my friend John and I were eating at this restaurant that was in, it was like an open mall area. And so there's, you know, there's restaurants, there's some, there's some stores, a few little coffee shops. And we're finishing up our, our dinner, and we, you know, we paid for our meal, and so we were just sitting there talking. And all of a sudden, we hear some commotion, and we look up, and we see... Uh, is Israeli uh, military or police force uh, that are running a particular direction. Uh, I don't know if you follow the news or not, but I mean, I've heard a story or two. 
And so I see this, and I think to myself, uh uh-oh. And so John and I stand up from the table, and we walk out of this kind of open restaurant. I mean, you could see what was happening. We kind of walk out, and and John makes a left-hand turn toward the action, which, from my perspective, was about the dumbest thing that we could have done in that particular situation. They say there are, there are no bad ideas. That was a bad idea. At no point did the Israeli military or police force think to themselves, you know who we could use right now? We could use James. No, but I've been in one fight my whole life. I was in fourth grade. It was a toss-up. Beat my brother up a lot, but like only one legit fight. So I wasn't the guy for the job. Maybe you could argue I wasn't concerned with what was taking place, which was partly true. Like, if there was something wrong going that away, I wanted to go this away. Why? Because I, 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 was, not, I was not invested. In, in that moment, I, w- I was worried about me. I wasn't too concerned about what was taking place. Do you know that Jesus doesn't function like that? He does not scatter when the thief comes. He he stands his ground so much so that Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life for the sheep. He he laid down his, his life for his sons and for his daughters. Listen, I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about that before, but it could be argued that we are not all that impressive. Like, like, like the, the very sheep that Jesus dreamed up and made, the very sheep that rejected the shepherd, are the sheep that Jesus lays down his life for. How do we experience abundant life? How do we experience life with God? Uh, we experience life with God because Jesus our good shepherd, the door, has laid down his life uh, for you and uh, for me. I said this morning there were three questions I wanted to ask and answer. The first was, what is the abundant life that Jesus promises? Secondly, I wanted us to think together about how one can experience this life. We experience the abundant life with God because Jesus laid down his life uh, for us. And then third, who is invited to experience abundant life who is who is invited to experience this abundant life look with me at verse 16 of john chapter 10 john chapter 10 verse 16 reads i have other sheep that are not of this fold i must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock one shepherd for this reason the father loves me because i lay down my life that i may take it up again No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I love this picture. Jesus, the good shepherd, is telling the Jewish people that he has other sheep who are welcomed into his fold. It's not us four and no more. There are others 
Jesus came to die so that we might have life. And this life was not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile too. He didn't give up his life for only one particular group of people in one particular place. Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. This is a nod to the Gentiles or to the non-Jews. In case you're wondering, that's very good news for you and for me. There is one flock and there is one shepherd. Jesus was not and is not a universalist. He wasn't saying that everyone is a sheep and it doesn't matter who you look to to be your shepherd. Uh, Jesus was telling a group of people, hey, just so you know, there are more out there who are mine. There are more out there who are mine. Scripture teaches us everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, whoever. Everyone or whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Sometimes it's easy for us uh, to settle down in our little sheep pen and think to ourselves, I, I like these sheep. I like these sheep. Like I've walked with these sheep. These are the sheep that I know. I enjoy spending time with these sheep. We, we go to the same pasture together. These are my sheep. And sometimes when new sheep come into the pen, it can be a little unsettling. All of a sudden, you look over your shoulder and you think to yourself, who's that sheep? I haven't met that sheep before. I kind of was happy without that sheep. Why is that sheep here? That sheep is here because God has other sheep that are not of this fold. There are people all over your neighborhood in your community, or should I say our neighborhoods in our community, our city, that are, are good shepherd people and don't even know it yet. And we uh, get the joy of telling them about the good shepherd. There are over a million people in Mecklenburg County. Over a million people. There, there are countless people uh, down the road in apartment communities there are thousands of homes in Highland Creek and surrounding neighborhoods. There are hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are our neighbors, like who live within a 10, 15 minute drive of you and me. Maybe, maybe, just maybe some of them are God's sheep too. And so you, and I have the great joy and privilege of pointing them uh, to the good shepherd. Listen, if you are here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to know it is your responsibility uh, to tell other people about the good news of Jesus, uh, to, to sow uh, seeds of faith, just, just to share about Jesus with people uh, that you live next door to or that you work with or that you play sports with. Perhaps, maybe, just maybe, 
maybe, just maybe, they are included in the sheep that is not right now a part of this fold. And if you are here this morning and you do not know uh, the Good Shepherd, uh, my hope and prayer is that you would come uh, to know Jesus today. I mean, I can't think of a better day. Like a, a better day to, to know that there is abundant life that is found in Jesus. Jesus, our good shepherd, is passionate about other sheep. Uh, he gave his life uh, for those who are not yet a part of the fold. May God give us eyes uh, to see those around us. What is interesting but unsurprising is that when Jesus uh, gave this little talk, Scripture says this is how people responded. There was division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? That's one response. He is nuts. All the good shepherd talk, giving salvation, coming in and out, finding pasture, Cuckoo. I mean, that's some people responded that way. Maybe you're here this morning and, and just quite honestly, you're going, yeah, yeah, it sounds nuts to me. Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? My hope and prayer this morning is that that God in his graciousness and his kindness uh, would give us eyes to see uh, the beauty of Jesus and to follow him and love him all of our days. If we have heard that message and believe that message, my hope and prayer is that we would share that message, that God would give us the courage uh, to go and to tell others and invite them into the sheep pen uh, where they will find abundant life. Uh, May it be so. Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks this morning for the good news of the gospel. Uh, that, that Jesus invaded this world as the good shepherd, a world that was marred uh, by sin and by brokenness. And he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus lived a perfect life and he died a sinner's death. He was buried and he rose again, defeating death and extending life uh, to those who by faith trust in his finished work. God, for those who are far from you this morning, whether they are here this morning live or they are watching online at home, would you pour faith into their hearts? God, for those of us who know you, uh, who know you, Jesus, as our good shepherd, I pray that you would give us uh, the courage to go and to share that good news uh, with others. May we invite others to experience the abundant life that is ours in Christ. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.